0: Verse 12. So uh, Exodus 3 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father in law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw through the bush, the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. And so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw, that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses says, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off the sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. And so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into the good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Let's pray together. As we pray this morning, we're not only praying for us who are here, and God will move, but for the men at Man Camp. Uh, If you missed the announcements at the very beginning, you can kind of check with somebody else who was here, because there's a number of different things of what's what's going on today. But we'll remember many of them are there, and God's already been working, and we're going to just trust to just finish that work even this morning. So, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your great love for each and every one of us we thank you that you are here and you are there with the men and we're praying that you would make an amazing transformation take place and the men who are there lord you've been speaking you've been working you've been breaking down those walls and we pray that you would continue to do that you would see some Great things take place, not only with the men that we know from here, but many friends and others who have gone with them. Lord, we pray here as well that you would help us to be transformed by your grace and your mercy this morning. To be who you have called us to be, to step up. Recognize that you will be with us in what you call us to. So, Lord, move. Move this morning in us as only you can. Help me to speak your words, especially in spite of everything that went on earlier this morning. Lord, it it has to be you. So, as much as even I pray that you would anoint my lips, Lord, I pray that you would anoint our ears. Not to hear me, but to hear you. Work and move as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning as we get ready to start, we're looking at a a passage here in Exodus. We've talked about Moses before in a different kind of way. and um, uh, I know it's kind of embarrassing the passage. We're supposed to keep our phones muted, but I better take this. It's kind of an important phone call. Hello. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Well, um. Yeah. Well, me? Who me? You want me to do that? Well, right now is not exactly a great time. It's not really the best. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. 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 I'll do it. I get it. I know, I know, okay, love you too, goodbye, okay, well <laughs> uh, that doesn't happen that often, right uh anyway, that was God, and uh <laughs> and and he said that Kevin was working so hard there at uh you know singing and that that last song that that last song got a little high there, and so uh uh god God wants me to. ...to give you a, a, a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. So there, there you go, right? I mean, that, that doesn't that happen to you guys? Don't you get calls from God all the time telling you what to do? Telling you where to go and what He wants to... I mean, in a sense, that's what happened with Moses in Exodus chapter 3. In fact, look back at that. Hopefully you still have your Bibles open to that part. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 4... When the Lord saw that he had gone, talking about Moses, had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. So God called Moses. And he called Moses and he called him to tell him what he wanted him to do, how he wanted Moses to serve him and to work for him. But let's take a moment and look at Moses' response to those things. A little later in verse 11 in that same passage that we're looking at, In verse 11, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? You know, it's kind of like Moses saying, Who me? How many of us have said that? Moses saying, "Who Who me? And, And God replies back in verse 12. He says, And he said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people up out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And so what God is saying, Moses said, who me? God said, yes, you. No, there, there's no excuse. And and he, even as he goes a little bit later and they go back and forth and back and forth, you read throughout chapter two, uh, 3 here, and then even to chapter 4, you know, and Moses is like, not me, no, not me, can't be me. And God's saying, yes, you. Well, well what about, you know, and he pour, throws in his brother and God says, okay, your brother, but he didn't, Moses is not out of it. It was still, yes, you. You are the one that is supposed to do it. You are the one that is supposed to serve me. Back and forth. And the truth is many of us have felt that same way as Moses. We've had those same thoughts. Who, me? Surely you don't need me, Lord. And, you know, the first response we're thinking is he's going to say, Don't call me. No, never mind. Uh, he says, Surely I do mean, yes, you. I do mean, yes, you. That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, Yes, you. Now, what is God saying and doing for you today? Is He calling you? He's calling each and every one of us, just like He did with Moses. Step up and serve. Step up and serve. How? Why? We're going to look at two points this morning in the way we are supposed to step up and serve the Lord. To serve the Lord happily because of our great love for Him. First, serve the Lord as we think about our great love for Him. Let's look at Psalm 100, uh, verse 1 and 2. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. How many of you have heard this before? All right. Uh, many of you. I Almost most of you have heard this. Shout for Lord, joy to the Lord. Worship the Lord with gladness. And, and so we think this is about being happy to worship God. I mean, re- read that, especially that part where it says worship the Lord with gladness. It's all about let's just be happy when we worship the Lord. Not exactly. Not exactly what it means, not exactly what it's saying. Because if you were to look in the original, in fact, a lot of times when you're trying to figure out what something's, you know, what is this passage, this thing that I'm reading meaning, one of the first easiest places to go is just to go to a different version of the Bible that you might have at home and just see. In this case, maybe, and I've been reading from NIV, maybe you've got an old King James laying around and you pull that out and you just look and you would find out that, like in the King James and some of the other places, the word is a little different. In fact, the word is a little different in the original. And it says this, to serve the Lord with gladness. That puts a whole different spin on it. It doesn't say uh, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Hey, we're okay with that. But it doesn't say that. That's not what the word that's used there. The word that's used is to serve the Lord. And if some of you think, well, it's just kind of an English word. And it's the way we talk about worship. No. What this word right there, serve, literally means is to do physical labor, hard work that expends considerable energy to plow or work the ground, burdened a service done as a slave or a subject to minister as a servant to someone else. So, to serve the Lord with gladness, not merely because we have to, but because we want to. Because that is the attitude that we have. We want to serve the Lord with everything that we have and all that we are. And, and I know sometimes we get to the point where we think, you know what? Um, it's hard enough to serve the Lord. It's hard enough sometimes to serve the Lord and now i got to be happy about it. Okay? Right? And, and now i got to be happy about it. Except the reality is it really shouldn't be that hard. Oh, no, no, I I, I was happy at one time, but now the joy is dried up. If you're a believer in Christ here today, that shouldn't happen. Because when we start to serve the Lord, before we ever start to serve the Lord, we should already be full of joy. We should be overflowing with a river of joy coming out of us every day of our life. And so that river maybe gets used a little more when we're serving the Lord in certain places, in certain ways, and with certain people. But it really doesn't matter because it's coming from the river of the Holy Spirit within us that joy should be able to just keep flowing. So what's happening? Why is it not? We should be able to have a joy that just overflows because of the love that has overflowed from God to us. We want to serve Him because of His, because of our great love for Him. We want to serve. And, and some would say, but you know what? Serving goes against our, our human nature. Again, let's think about this. The whole attitude of serving or doing something for other people goes against our human nature, except if you are a believer in Christ, you have been given a new nature. Second Corinthians 5.17 says... Behold, the old is gone, the new has come. You are a new creature. You are a new creation. And so whatever those other feelings and those other things are going, that's about the old. You have become new. Be new. You've been transformed into a new creature that should be able to serve the Lord joyfully as you look to the day that you will fly away and be with Jesus and He will say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of of your master. Enter in with him. Serving the Lord is a big deal. It is a big part of life in Christ Jesus. Right, right here in Psalm 100, verse two, we've talked about that word. It says worship, but the reality is, in the original, what that word is is serve. And I told you what that meant. That same word is used in our passage here today. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. Look at Exodus 3, verse 12 again. God says, I will be with you. This will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. That's what the NIV says. I don't know on what version you guys have. but It says, you will worship God on the mountain. And isn't that what we thought? You know, God. Uh, Moses goes in to Pharaoh. Let my people go. Right? Let my people go. And you got to let my people go so that we can go out there to that mountain and worship God. You know, in in our contemporary Christian mindset, we just go to this picture of God's going to Pharaoh and saying, Hey, we need a weekend off. You know, we need a weekend to go like have this mountaintop experience with God, like worship him totally. You know, that's the kind of, you know, that's what we want. So let my people go so we can go out to this mountain and kind of just have a woo, praise God, time. But you know what? That may be the what we thought, but that's not what Pharaoh thought. Because Pharaoh knew what that word meant. And Moses is saying, Let my people go, so that we may go out to this mountain and serve the Lord. This is not some weekend trip. This is not some little thing like they're just going to do their little worship. This was about serving the Lord. Which is one of the reasons why it was such a big deal to Pharaoh. And what was going on, he knew exactly where his slaves were going. His slaves were no longer going to be his slaves. His slaves were now serving, because that word was used for slaves. Were serving this God. Now please understand. What I'm saying is not saying is that there is no worship involved with this but that we've so narrowly defined into a purely spiritual singing of songs and a saying of praise as what worship is we've missed it to serve the Lord is a very practical even physical thing that is a part of worship work our work for the lord is a part of our worship to the lord to serve this year our theme as a church has been about pressing in closer to god than we ever have before pressing in to the presence of god closer than we ever have and and it is great that many have have grabbed a hold of this and are really trying to set aside some quality time with god in private prayer and time together even in public worship and setting that up but those are not the only ways that we can get closer to god in fact some of that is just the easy way you know if all all i have to do is just kind of go in my closet close the door so to speak and pray and just kind of spend time with god and just me and god all that that's great But there comes a point in time you will only get so close to God. Even in that, and in in opening the Bible and praying and spending, there will be that part where you will only get so close and you'll feel stuck. Have you ever felt stuck in your relationship with God? But like, I'm really trying, I'm really doing this, but I'm kind of stuck. And there are a lot of reasons why we get stuck. One of the reasons we get stuck is because we are not serving the Lord. And we've missed it. We think we're worshiping Him, and he say worship is not just what you say with your lips. Worship is what you do with your life. at work for Him and what He's asking. And, and we can talk about loving the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength, and yet we only use that when what? We're praising Him? To love Him with all we've got, with all our strength, is not just something that goes on in our head or comes out of our lips, but it's our whole life. It's our hands being involved in that worship, and I don't mean putting them up. Alright? I mean our hands actually doing something. With God. For God. That serves Him. And if you're missing this, you're missing a piece that's going to get you closer to Jesus. Jesus. But more than that, if you're missing that, you're missing something that God has called each and every one of us to. I mean, how many of us would say one of the themes of the Christian life that we exist is to worship God? We say, yes, we exist to worship God. The problem is we've made serving God then an extra, an add-on. That's for the you know the spiritual Christians. That's for the ones who have time. That's for those kind of things. It, it, it is a central piece of our faith. To serve the Lord is a central piece. Just look at when Jesus and Satan had their little battle, so to speak, out in the wilderness, and Jesus was fasting, and praying, and he had that little time with Satan. And in verse uh, in Luke chapter four, verse seven, Satan tempts Jesus to bow down and to worship him. That at least that's what we hear, right? Is that Satan said, "Would you bow down and worship me?" Again, our mindset and that word. In that I mean, and there are times where that word means that worship, but there, just like the other places we've been talking about, that word does not just mean bow down and say, Oh, you're great, or or bow down one time and pledge your allegiance to the to the enemy. That's not what he was asking. He was asking Jesus to bow down and serve him. Which puts a whole different spin and makes a whole different sense. And what he's trying to do, is because it's not just Jesus one time would say some kind of words, oh, you know, devil, you're great. No, he's not. That's not what he's saying. It's, you serve me. The, the, the devil would be in charge and that, that Jesus would be serving him. And so Jesus says in Luke chapter 4, verse 8, the next verse, he says to the devil, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see how Jesus put worship and serve together? Worship and serve. Worship and serve him only. Too often all we hear that we are to worship God is again just honoring him with our lips who are praise and prayer, but that's not enough. We've got to honor him with our life. We were made for more than just a worship. We were made to work for him. To serve him. It only makes sense. I mean, can you imagine just this whole scene that we have here with Moses at the burning bush. And, and, and Moses already says some ridiculous stuff. Uh, to God. Alright? He, he says some ridiculous stuff. But I imagine some other ridiculous stuff that he might say. Like another ridiculous thing he might say is, God, oh, I love you so much, God. Oh, thank you for appearing to me in this burning bush. And thank you for being here. Oh, it is so great to be close at least a little closer to your presence than I've been. God, I'm so thankful. But you know what? I'm, I'm not really your man to do this job that you have. And, and really, God, I mean, I know I've already said that. But here's another thing. If I were to do this thing that you just asked me, go set your people free and serve you in that way, God, then that would just take away from, from me loving you. God, if I had to go do that, then I I wouldn't be able to spend time right here at the bush and just praise you and worship you. God, I I, want to love you with everything I've got. And serving you will just distract me. Does any of us like, that that doesn't sound right. I'm hoping in our minds, you know, it's like, what? You know, but that's kind of what we say. It's kind of what we think. We need to recognize to serve the Lord is to love the Lord with everything we've got. Uh, think about it this way. Uh, Valentine's Day just happened this past week. I'm sure there are probably a number of men who expressed to their wives uh, their love by getting them some flowers and uh, candy, maybe a mushy card that said how much they really love you. You know, they may not have put it down, but it was on the card. It was nice, Right? Okay, she got all this great stuff, how much they loved their wife. And for some men, they scored a lot of points this week in doing those kind of things. They they really did. Their, their wife felt special, their wife felt loved. I realize some men are not here, they're at camp right now. And so, depending on how it worked for you this week, ladies, uh, feel free to give a post-Valentine's gift to your husbands, uh, by giving them a gift of listening to this message on the website or uh, through there, and they can get it. And it's right about this time, husbands, if you are listening after this sermon, hint, hint. um, Yeah, we'll we'll go with that, all right? Does does that help? Uh, But the reality is, for some of you, is like, well, that really doesn't help. That really doesn't help. Because for some... They get the flowers, the candy, the card. That's nice. I'm not sure what the point is. My husband's thinking, well, I'm trying to show my wife, tell my wife that I love her. And she's like, I don't want to, like, rain on this parade, but I'm thinking, okay, whatever. Uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't do it, that, 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 that doesn't mean anything. You mean it doesn't mean anything? I, I didn't buy this from the, uh, com, you know, the, the gas store or whatever, you know, the convenience store. I went to a real place. These are real flowers. These are real, you know, and all this kind of stuff. I, went all, I spent all this money and did all this kind of stuff. And you mean it, you don't still sense that I love you? What's the point? Now, some of you know where we're going because we talk about it, and you've heard this before. Some, many of you probably heard about that we have certain love languages, things that, that tell us that we love the other person or tell us that other people love us. Um, there's, there's a sense that if I'm trying to communicate to my wife that I love her, but I'm speaking French and she only understands Spanish, there's a problem, Right? That, that's what it's about. There's a problem there. And that's the problem that happens in relationships, is that one is speaking one language, one is speaking the other. They do love one another. The problem is it never gets across. It's never actually communicated in any kind of way that actually makes sense to the other person. Uh, it, and for some people, this whole uh, candy and uh, candy and flowers and that kind of stuff it is kind of the storybook romantic kind of way and the world says to do it. And for some people, that's that's good, but some, they're just not into that. that it really doesn't, that's not their language even to give gifts, you know, because that's really giving a gift. That That's not something, now maybe for you, let's say men, maybe for you, that's something that you like to receive gifts. You like that. That's what helps to know that, you know, even if your wife just buys you a candy bar. You know, especially after she said she should be on a diet. You know, they, that is one of those things that just have this sense that, okay, yes. Uh, but for some, it's not that. Instead, what it could be is she wakes up in the morning and you've already gotten up and you've done all the dishes and cleaned the kitchen. And you walk out there and you see the dishes done, kitchen clean. You don't have to do anything. That means more to her than $50 flowers, an amazing mushy card, and candy. Now, that doesn't necessarily for all women. I mean, I doubt there's any woman here that would say, Oh, please don't do the dishes. Uh-uh. But, but for some, doing something for her, some kind of act of service, serving her in some way, has more meaning than anything else you could ever do or say. And by the way, that will save you some money. (laughs) Just just saying. Now, where I'm going with this is, we're to love God. And we know we're to love Him with everything we got. But sometimes our love for God is really one-dimensional. It's just saying the words. We're just using words. And for some people, that is their love language. They need to hear it. They need to hear you say it. And God wants to hear us say it. But if all we do is just say it all the time, whether in our praise songs or in our prayer, but we don't serve Him, serving, acts of service, is God's love language as well. And we need to be doing something. Not just saying you love God with your lips, but doing something with your life that's serving Him in such a way that says, God, I love you you. And here it is. And he knows that you're real. He knows that you're serious about that and what you do. You know, Christians, unfortunately, have watered down what Christianity means to the point where it's just about some one-time decision we make. You know, I said a prayer. And then from that time on, we're looking to the Lord to serve us. Lord, why, why, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? I'm not happy, you know. Kind of like, Lord, you got to make me happy. Instead of us saying, you know what, we exist to make Him happy. Us, we exist to love Him. How how can we do that? Serve Him. You know, for some Christians, serve? Ooh, I might break a sweat if I serve the Lord. I, I might break a nail if I serve the Lord. I, I, I don't really want to do that. And others were like, yeah, I, this whole talk of service, listen. I'm a New Testament Christian. You always love when they say that. Uh, uh, hey, I don't need to... I don't need to do that stuff because I am saved by grace. I am saved by grace. It was a free gift of salvation. There is absolutely nothing I need to do to get to heaven. And I would say you are exactly right. There is nothing you need to do to get to heaven. But because we're going to heaven, there should be something that we're doing. I'm not saved because I serve. But I serve because I'm saved serve because i'm saved what i want to do for god we somehow we think our freedom is that means the freedom in christ that we have from because of grace is that we can do whatever we want no finally we're free to do whatever god wants we're finally free to do for him what he wants uh, let's look at galatians chapter five we talk about freedom Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Most of the time we just stop reading there. We know, we've heard this, perhaps. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. You're free, but you're not free to do whatever you want. That's not the context. It's the whole context here. Keep reading the sentence. Rather, brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. Do not use your freedom For flesh, rather, instead, you who have been called to free, what should you do? What's it say? Can you you read that with me? Rather, serve one another humbly in love. I'm not sure I heard you. Let's try that again. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. We have been given freedom, as it says right here in God's Word, to serve one another humbly in love. In a love that's not just to one another, but a love that is motivated from the love that God has given to us that we give back to Him. To serve. To give our life to Him happily because He happily gave His life to us. Jesus who said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Jesus is our example who came to serve. Which in many ways, as we think about this, deals with our second point. We serve the Lord happily because of His great love for us. Alright. So let's just stop for a moment. and Maybe, I, I know OCCA, you guys are much better than everybody else. Um, but in some churches, there's going to be somebody out there saying... Right now, there's a lot of reasons to say, it, but one person's just out there going, "That's easy for you to say, Pastor, because you're a pastor, <laughs> right? Not just because you want us to do and you want us to serve the Lord and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know that's not why, because I'm showing you scriptures. It says it literally. It's not what I'm saying. I, I mean, you can't get much clearer. But somebody's thinking, no." I hear what you're saying, but but you're a pastor. You're in full-time service. That's your job to serve God. Of course, you're a servant all the time. That's easy for you. But that's not how God looks at it. And that's not how I look at it. In fact, we're missing the fact that God has called each and every Christian into lifetime service. Yes, I might be in full-time service, but God has called each and every Christian to lifetime service. Believe it or not, I'm going to share something personal with me, uh, about me that maybe you can't imagine, but believe it or not, I was not born a pastor. Okay? I I, I wasn't. I was not born a, a pastor. I didn't grow up dreaming that one day I would be a pastor someplace in fact I didn't even grow up a Christian didn't have those kinds of experiences in fact way before Pastor Tim ever even was a thought for myself and for my wife Roberta we were serving the Lord in a church as lay people Not only doing things, as leaders at times as well. Both. uh, In jobs, I had a job before I was ever a pastor. or Something else I did that's not important now. But it was already a part of what we believe that the Scriptures clearly tells. And that we are to serve the Lord. That's what we did. Big things, little things. Ongoing things, projects. Whatever it might be. Whatever it is. That's what Christ called us to do. It's the least we can do for the one who has given us his most. And we happily served. It wasn't something we felt we had to do as, as, as young people. When I say young in our 20s, uh, so to speak. You know, it wasn't something that we had to do. It's something we wanted to. It was something we knew that God called us to do. And so when the time came for God to say to me, Tim, I, I want you to uh, serve me in full-time ministry as a pastor there was not this who me question I I mean I'm sure you've heard some pastors talk about this kind of thing but for me there was never this God calls and I go who me it was like yes me yeah I'm ready Lord Because I was already living the lifetime service that he called. It was a simple step to go to the full-time service. Yes, me, Lord. Ready, willing. Do whatever God called me to. If you're a believer in Christ today, the answer should be to lifetime service, yes, me. Not who me. Yes, me because of God's great love who has saved you saved us not just from hell not just saved us to heaven Salvation our salvation is not merely about our future. What's going to take place in the future our salvation Is about what takes place right here right now. It's not just about eternal life It is about the abundant life that God has given us not an abundant life so that we can just live and be happy here on earth but a abundant life that we can serve him and bring his kingdom here, allowing us to see God move. Again, we serve Him not to get saved, but because we're saved, we serve. If, if I were to ask, uh, let's put it another way. If I were to ask each of you here today to help me in some way, to, to serve the Lord, you know, in some way, I love you and believe the best about you. And so, I believe that you would all say, yes. If I asked you here today, I believe all of you would say, yes, Pastor, what do you need? Now, that's what you would be saying outwardly, but inwardly, let's be real. Some of you would be going like, yeah, yes, Pastor, this once. <laughs> One time, I will do it for you. And even though I got a smile on my face, Pastor, I'm not doing this happily. But you ask me, I'm going to do it, right? I'm guessing the best for all of you here. And that probably for some, that is the best. I'll do it, but I'm not going to like it. Okay, let's imagine for a moment that I give each and every family unit here today, if you're you're single, that you're a family unit, you are a family, you are your whole. And I want you to understand, I'm going to give you each 10 million dollars. I thought I'd get a little more reaction than that. <laughs> Woohoo! 10 million! Okay. All right, so uh, I, I give each of you $10 million. You got it. Okay, a little bit later, I come up and say, hey, I really need your help with something. Could you serve in this way? Guarantee most of us, even at the best of who we are, would have a little different attitude. Be like, yeah, you know? Not because you're selfishly thinking I'm going to give you another 10, but because you're thinking, you just gave me $10 million. You changed our life of our whole... I mean, you changed the rest of my life by giving this $10 million. You, what you did for us, what you did for me, man, that was amazing, Pastor. Anything you want, whatever you want to do, I'm in. Tell me. I, it doesn't matter. I'm in, I'm ready to go. I'm excited. I am happy to help you in any way. Are you with me? Guess what? Jesus has given us 10 million years and eternity with Him in heaven. Before that, we got nothing. We had nothing. We had the negative. Guess what? Jesus has given us more than 10 million reasons that He's worked in our life and how He's done and what He's done for us. He's given us more than what $10 million could ever buy. If you had $10 million here and we know, we've heard people that have all that kind of money and they still don't have love, joy, peace, right? Along with a whole bunch of other things which comes with the Holy Spirit. God has given us things that $10 million can't even buy. So when He comes and says, Will you serve? And understand, it's not necessarily in the whole call, in the phone call and all. And we're going to talk about this next week as we go with this. It's not just about that. It could be about somebody as you're walking out asking, Hey, could you help us next week with this? Or you're hearing or you're seeing something in the bulletin or something like that. The note from God is what you just read in the bulletin. Of where there's help needed. God who has given us much more than $10 million, is saying, will you help? And shouldn't we want to say happily, yes, me, yes, I I want to. I I I want to serve whatever you want, however you want. God has so loved us. And the way God loved us was not by just saying words to us, He wasn't just saying, I love you. No. He did some action. He did a work. A work on the cross for each and every one of us. He served us. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And that's the way it is, as you serve the Lord in the many different ways, within the body of Christ, the church of all we are. A church is not an organization, you are the church. You are each parts of the church the Holy Spirit has put into place. Each of us are to then serve and work in that place the Holy Spirit has put us. Sometimes it takes a little work to figure out exactly where that is. something to talk with us, to talk with myself and other leaders as we go about this, but just to see where is it. That I can work and fit for the Lord. As we've talked today about doing this with gladness. The reality is there are many Christians who are serving faithfully but with sadness. We start out with this great attitude. Where, you know, we serve God in great attitude. We can change the world. But then something happens. Somebody says something or it just becomes hard to be happy maybe even it just becomes a hardship to serve god you even heard some people say you know it'd be great serving the lord would be great if it weren't for the people that's a little bit of a problem right you know there are those still that go through those hard times and happily serve god apostle paul is one of those examples in second corinthians chapter six beginning in verse 4 he says this rather as servants of god second corinthians 6 verse 4 to 10 rather servants of god we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance and troubles and hardship distresses and beatings imprisonments and riots and hard work and sleepless nights and hunger and pure uh, understanding and patience and patience and kindness not impatience but patience kindness in the holy spirit and in sincere love in truthful speech and in the power of God with the weapons of righteousness in our right hand and left and through glory and dishonor, through bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. As servants of God, this is their attitude which includes that part I just read there, Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. There are some tough things. And he says, You know what? We are always rejoicing as they give their all. Those who are not put off or put out by being a servant, because they remembered who they were serving and what Jesus has done. We read in 2 Corinthians 9, God loves a cheerful giver. And we've never really thought about it. Sometimes we only think about that verse as it relates to our treasure that we give. But God's also given us talent and time. God loves a cheerful giver. What we give to Him and our talents and our time. Occasionally, I'll hear a a, a Christian say, quite literally, say, I got a wrong attitude. I got the wrong attitude in what I'm serving. And I I just got, I have the wrong attitude. And so I'm just going to stop serving altogether. That's right. I I just realized that I've been doing this wrong, the wrong attitude that I have. And I'm not, I'm not happily doing this. And so I'm just going to stop. And I'm not just stop one thing. I'm just stop everything. I just need to just stop and not serve at all. Because I don't want to be a hypocrite. And I know it doesn't do me any good to serve this way. God's not going to bless it. So I'm just going to stop. And there are people in churches that, as they talk, say that too, they just shake their head, yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah, you should do that not I want, I want you to just take a moment and think about that. I mean, our, and it's the difference between cultural churchity answer and the biblical Christianity answer which are oftentimes opposite from one another. All right think about this with me. you are doing the right action you are serving but you've got the wrong attitude. Correct. And so the solution to that wrong attitude is to stop doing the right action. And so now you have a wrong attitude and a wrong action and two wrongs make a right. Are you with me? And somebody said, no, no, I'm not with you because I no longer have the wrong action or wrong attitude. I stopped doing this, so I no longer have the wrong attitude. Really? (laughs) You don't think you got a wrong attitude? Just because you no longer feel bad and you no longer, uh, all the other things you got going on, you don't think it's the wrong attitude to not serve the Lord? What is Jesus' solution to this? Do you think that's really Jesus' solution is when you're doing something with the wrong attitude, you just need to stop doing it. Stop doing what's right. So that you don't have the wrong attitude. What do you think Jesus really wants to say to you? He says, I want you to be right in your action and your attitude. Amen? God wants us to be right in our action and our attitude. That's how we get right. We don't stop doing the wrong. In fact, that goes across the board in our Christian life. We think that's what Christian... That's that whole churchy entity. That's that whole legalism, pharisaic way of living life. Is we just don't do wrong and we think we're a good Christian. And that's not what it's about. It's about doing what's right. It's about doing what he's called us to. Just because you live your life, don't doing wrong, so what? There are plenty of people like that. In fact, I was like that before I came to know Christ. I was better than most Christians in the church that I started going to when I was unsaved. But I didn't make me a Christian. It's not about not doing wrong. It's about what is right. To be obedient. To serve. The God who does look at our heart, attitude. But to do that, both our action and our attitude. Uh, as someone might be thinking, I, I know that's the way it's supposed to go. But I just got no joy left. Uh, and, and that may be true. It's also true, especially when we have been relying on fleshly feelings of, of human natural joy. That, that the joy we were getting out of it was actually a fleshly joy before and not a spiritual joy. You just didn't know that. We didn't realize that we were serving the Lord in our own strength. We were loving God with all we got, and we were serving God with all we got. And that's the problem. We None of us have enough. We're serving in the Spirit of God. The reality is there's no way that we've got no joy left in our life if we are a believer. I said this earlier. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. If you have the Holy Spirit in God, of God in you, then you have the supernatural fruit of love, joy, peace in you. It's there. What is plugging up that fountain of joy? You do have it sometimes it's our attitude that's plugging up that fountain. Sometimes it's just that we've worked so hard that we've burnt the wick and not the oil of the Holy Spirit. And and I say this, and if there's some people here and you're going through that, it's not a, a judgment of anything because I've been there. I've really been there. And experiencing all of that, But I recognize what God can do. I, and when I say I've been there where I get, you got no joy left and you just don't, why? And all those kind of things. I was faithfully, I don't want you misunderstanding. misunderstand, here's where I was at. I was faithfully, sacrificially, all in serving God. I just wasn't serving Him with gladness. Now, again, we've talked about the word and we should serve the Lord with gladness and all that, and you're still kind of like, eh, okay, 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 I hear you, but I don't really want to hear you, so this has been good and I'm going to walk away. But before you we walk away, uh, look at, at some of those things. And I, let's even, even before I get there, it is true, let's, let's just go ahead and lay this on the table too. There are times that there are those who serve the Lord and they have that joy kind of sucked out of their serving by other Christians. Okay? Uh, Just be real. You have that joy just being sucked out by other Christians. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says, Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Now sometimes we've heard that about obey your leaders and all that, but you know, And that's kind of what's been pushed. But we missed the point. point is so that their work will be a joy. There is a way that we can affect the work of the leaders around us. Are we doing it in such a way that their work is a joy and not a burden? Do they feel like it's a burden? But the truth is, even if you have somebody that walks into the room and sucks all the joy out, if you are filled with the holy spirit you've got a fountain that will never run dry and here's where we run into problems for those of us who are serving deuteronomy chapter 28 uh, deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 47 i just asked i'm going to turn there so it gives you time i know sometimes i'm going faster and that's why usually they're marked down for you Deuteronomy 28, especially if this is something you've ever thought of or talked with anybody about, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 47. I read these verses, I never read them, maybe I, I'm sure I read them before, but it never like, boom, whoa, right here is what we're talking about. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 47. All right, and to set this up, what's happening beforehand in this whole uh, passage in in Deuteronomy uh, 28, the first part is the blessings. You know, God says, I'm going to bless you. When you go over here and you do this, you do this, you do this, I'm going to bless you. Bless, 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 bless. But then he turns and says, but if you don't do this, curse, 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 all these kind of bad things are going to happen. The blessings and the curses come. We are reading now down in the curse section and... Look at verse 47 out of Deuteronomy, chapter 28. Because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity, therefore in hunger and thirst and nakedness and dire poverty, you will serve the enemies of the Lord sent against you. He will put an iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. All right, so the curse, the whole Hunger, thirst, nakedness, dire poverty, all the bad things that is going to happen to them. That curse is going to happen. Why? Because, it says in verse 47, because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly. Now, maybe you guys got this, but that was kind of a revelation to me because I thought, well, we just need to serve the Lord. Just be faithful. We need to do more than that. We need to be doing this joyfully. It says right there. So maybe some of the stuff in in my serving that wasn't going as well, maybe some of the attitudes, some of the stuff going on is not being blessed by God, but cursed in a sense that I'm not doing it joyfully and gladly. When things are going good to be joyfully and gladly and to continue to have it that way step up and serve. Step up and serve. God is not unjust. As Hebrews chapter 6 says, He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown Him as you help His people and continue to help them. Maybe some of you need to hear that promise again. God is not unjust as you are serving Him. This is Hebrews 6 verse 10. He will not forget your work and your love that you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. As we think about this, who, me, yes, me. And one day we will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yes, you, my good and faithful servant. Worship team would come at this time. Let's pray. Lord, as as we come before you in this closing song, it's a song of worship, praise. It's It's an alleluia. I pray that you would help us decide right here, right now, if we haven't already before this moment, that we are not just going to love you with our lips only. Even if we're sincere and we really mean it. We are not going to do just our lips. We are going to love you with our life. We're going to find ways to serve you. To serve you with others. To serve you within what you are trying to do within your people. Your body. You have each. We each have a place. And a purpose. And I pray that you would help us. To do it joyfully. To do it happily. Because of what you have done for us. So set us free. Even as we sing this. To make that decision. That we are not just saying. These hallelujahs. This praise. With just our head, but we're going to do it with our hands in a tangible way. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray.